last six months, I've been busying myself catching up with the rather overwhelming number of German crime novels which exist by various authors and of varying standards. I initially started doing this because I thought reading German literature would improve my German, which is probably accurate. And maybe it's more than six months, maybe it's more like nine months. I've probably read one a month. I've got seven sitting here in front of me, and there's a couple which I don't have, which I must have left in other places, which is okay, because I bought most of them secondhand um, at markets or in charity shops. There's also a couple I started which I didn't finish, and there's several unread on my on my bookshelf. But the more I read these German crime novels, the more I realised they're actually really, for the most part, quite fantastic. Not all of them, but they are, in a very profound sense, trash literature. <laughs> I bought my first one last summer, and it's called Die Tote am Lago Magori, translated The Death at Magoria Lake. It's set in Italy. It's I have no my Italian accent doesn't exist, so I apologise to anyone who thinks I'm pronouncing that awfully. Details of all the books I talk about will be in the description. It's by Bruno Varese, original language German. I try and make sure all of the crime thrillers I buy are written in German, because I figure if I'm doing it mostly to improve my German, then they should be written by Germans. As interesting as translation is, and as as good tra- as translation as good as translations can be mostly i love them because they are just so much fun and the trashier they are the more fun they are <laughs> i wish there were translations of loads of these i guarantee there's a market for these books i think the market in germany is bigger they love also german translations of especially scandinavian crime novels there's so many translations I see in charity shops and bookshops everywhere of Swedish and Norwegian and Danish crime novels. British people probably love crime novels too. We're maybe more of a spy novel kind of nation, but I think uh, crime novels are probably going down a tree. And some of these are so trashy and so easy to read. Basically, for this episode, I just wanted to, I mostly just wanted to talk about why I love them so much. Trashy German crime novels. I also want to talk about a couple of good crime novels, namely Friedrich Dörrenmatt, who wrote Das Versprechen, The Promise, and Der Richter und sein Henker, which is The Judge and His Hangman. I'll get to those maybe a little bit later, because he is the master. They're existential crime novels, and they are just sort of objectively fantastic. But the trashy ones are really, really what I want to talk about. Because they're the most exciting. The most recent one I finished is called Wolf Hetz die Meute, which is like um, the wolf uh, baits the hares, something like that. And it's not about an actual wolf, obviously. The main character, the main detective in it, who is this sort of crazy, stereotypical, retired detective is called Wolf, or Wolf. And I mean, I don't really understand how he's baiting hares in the novel, but I do agree that the title is fantastic. <laughs> the cover is its maybe one of the worst book covers I've ever seen. It's woods, right? These really, really dark woods with the superimposed, just the eyes of a wolf over the top. 
which makes absolutely no sense. Almost the whole novel is set in Berlin. <laughs> Some of it's set in Malta. Yeah, so it just doesn't make any sense, but I think it's brilliant. And it begins in translation. The very first page has two words on it. Chapter one. Blood. Everywhere. Turn the page. <laughs> That's it. That's the first chapter. There's also a stand-up skit by Stuart Lee where he's describing a joke by, an, by a small-time underground alternative comedian whose name I can't remember right now. And he says, this guy comes out and he looks like really, really weird. He's got kind of crazy hair. He's wearing a big trench coat. He looks very alternative. And he stands there looking weird for a few minutes. Then he says, people often say to me, get out of my garden. And uh, Stuart Lee says that he thinks that that's the best opening to any piece of art, not just stand up, that no work of music or literature couldn't be improved by beginning with that line. However, I think beginning a book and having the whole first chapter is just two words on one page, which are blood everywhere, is also a pretty fantastic way to start a crime novel. And also just in general to start any novel. And I personally don't think that any piece of art couldn't be improved by beginning with that. I don't care if it's a piece of classical music. I don't care if it's a podcast. Blood. Everywhere. <laughs> anyway, in this novel, which has an extremely complex plot, which spans 24 years, Tom Wolf has to... He's searching for the son of his best friend. His best friend disappeared 24 years before in then East Germany, East Berlin. He searched all over East Germany, couldn't find him. He then moved to Malta without saying anything, leaving behind his love interest, who also happened to be the wife of his best friend. Of course, there's a love triangle. And he searches for both his best friend... God, I'm actually, I'm actually getting a little bit creeped out just thinking about it because even though it's so trashy, it was a little bit creepy in parts. Yeah, so he has to search. He's searching for his best friend's son. In the process, he doesn't actually find his best friend. Sorry, spoilers, by the way. He doesn't actually find his best friend's son. He <laughs> finds, however, his best friend who was made a sleeper agent by then East Germany, was placed underground waiting on a shipment of TNT in a third state news agency. There's two in Germany. In the book, there's a third one, which also happens to be called the DDR, which is also the initials of what was then East Germany, the Deutsche Demokratische Republik. <laughs> Guys, oh you couldn't make this stuff up. And if he finds not only him, but they also suddenly find the TNT. Somehow, his best friend, Peter, um, has never found it, despite, despite having been <laughs> stuck in this like bunker underground for 24 years. And this guy, Tom Wolf, comes in. They find it in like a few weeks of him having worked there. <laughs> and at the end, like the main plot, which is him trying to find the son of this best friend. He doesn't even find him. <laughs> and like the, the, the final line is, uh, Philip, my boy, where are you? 
like like the main plot of this novel doesn't even get solved. It comes up with this huge there's this huge conspiracy that takes place within this news agency of this there's a a guy who's been slowly dragging people into this uh, this bunker underground and killing them, chopping them up and keeping their body parts in this bespoke freezer which is kind of the creepy part, which is giving me the creeps just thinking about it. So that gets solved. There's also some crazy conspiracy with old East Germany and a load of sleeper agents that still exist. And it's just so many storylines. Only kind of half of them get tied up. The main storyline doesn't get tied up. And it kind of seems like the author just got really, really preoccupied with these other threads that he created while he was writing what he thought was just going to be a pretty bog-standard friend's son goes missing, friend finds him. In the end, the book's like 300, nearly 370 pages long. <laughs> and the main plotline doesn't, uh, doesn't get solved, which I just think is fantastic. I mean, mostly these books say that it's the detective's first case, and sometimes these crime authors can write 20 books based around this one detective and all of the cases that he or she has to solve. This one doesn't say that, so it seems like he couldn't come up with a satisfactory way for Tom Wolf to find Philip, and so he just decided that Philip is going to be lost forever. It was totally dissatisfying to read. But I also kind of think it's fantastic. Like, I really respect it. Just really pissing off the readers of your novel like that. <laughs> um, and one of my, my favourite bits uh, was relatively near the beginning. He goes to see his friend Mario, who is kind of like his... Kind of like his cue. Sorts him out with, like, some weapons, like, some nice cars, a place to stay... And uh, there's one bit where he's got this BMW, this old, like, 1970s, I think, BMW. And there's, I'm not joking, why would I be? There's three pages describing this BMW, which the protagonist refers to as his baby for the whole thing. Also for the rest of the novel, referred to as his baby. He gets into a huge car crash in it after actually what was quite a thrilling car chase, which I really enjoyed. There was also one fight scene kind of the main fist fight scene of the novel, which was actually also really, really good. They were easily my two favourite parts. And that was quite an interesting read. My girlfriend's mum ended up buying it for me. I offered her the money. She didn't want it. For €1.80 from a charity shop in the Austrian Alps while I was on holiday there. Read it in the week I was there. Absolutely loved it. Made the holiday. The first one I read, this one, the uh, Die Tote am Lago Magori, The Deaths on Lake Magori. Really, really rubbish book. Oh, so trashy. So trashy. Absolutely fantastic. One of the trashiest novels I've ever read. Without a shadow of a doubt. Matteo Basil, the main character, who owns a butcher's, ends up solving the case of the murder of his good friend, kind of implied that he loves her, but also not. It was a bit confusing. This one does say, ah, oh, a case for Matteo Basil, which kind of implies that there may be a second, or even a third, or maybe even further. My girlfriend actually bought me this one as well. Her and her family seem to like buying me detective novels, but I haven't found any of the next of Matteo Basil's cases. 
I would really, really like to have another one because this extremely trashy German crime novel was a really lovely mix of some kind of creepy parts, a couple of relatively mediocre action scenes, quite a convoluted conspiracy we're involving debt and this couple who were attempting to run away and murder within the family. And on top of that, some, I thought, quite misplaced humour, which really you know, occasionally lightened the mood of this particular crime novel, but wasn't really for me, didn't really fit. In general, had a really, really weird style to it. So highly recommend it. Then I've got one here by Daniela Lacha. Uh, it's called Dital, the number, based around a murderer who carves a number into their victims. I mean, it's from the perspective of several characters, but the main detective who's in a very small town in the mountains in Austria, is a man, and there's three main characters, this older detective, a younger man, and a woman. When it's from the perspective of the younger man, every time he meets a woman, he kind of weighs up her physical attributes, basically how fit he thinks they are, how good their boobs are. The first time he meets the female protagonist they don't really get on and he thinks something along the lines of ah she could be pretty if she made more of an effort (laughs) it's quite interesting that particularly the few female crime thriller novelists i've read seem to think this of men moving on from this one which also had quite a lot of misplaced humor i found to what was probably my favorite notwithstanding those by Duchenmatt, which are obviously the best ones, was called Der Wald ist Schweigen, something along the lines of The Forest is Silence, set in the countryside by Giese Klöner. has a cast of mainly female characters, which was quite refreshing, and they were written very unstereotypically, which I liked a lot. The main detective is this kind of failing, maverick-type character. She's a chain smoker. She's um, pretty unhappy, actually, with her life, feels guilt for the death of a friend, has just broken up with her long-term love interest, and she's this kind of relatively hard-boiled, pretty tough, but also not infallible female character who really didn't speak to many stereotypes, I thought. I really liked how she made mistakes as well. She wasn't like Berlach in Der Sein in the judge and his hangman who just kind of knew everything and is perfect and just knows exactly what's going on the whole time even when the reader doesn't she made quite a few mistakes but she ends up saving as many people as possible at the end which i really really liked and there was a cast of i guess three main female characters but the men in this as well were all every single one of them was represented as a total arsehole (laughs) Um, in quite an ironic sense. On the few occasions it was written from their perspective, they also immediately, immediately thought about how relatively good-looking the women were that they were talking to. There's one instance where her partner, she invites her partner up to hers to go over case details, and he looks out onto the balcony, and the first thing he imagines is her sunbathing naked on her balcony. Yeah, and they're all kind of quite ironically portrayed as arseholes. And the the female characters in it as well also were always sizing up the men and 
Although the men thought about thought about kind of wanting to sleep with the female characters, she kind of turned it on its head in the sense that the female characters went into quite long trains of thought about how good looking or not the men were and that was quite nice turning that on its head because you find that a lot I mean even in the in the crime novel I mentioned earlier written by Daniela Lascia but especially in those written by men whenever a female character gets introduced they get introduced as this kind of the cliche of like voluptuous or whatever they don't really get introduced in terms of their personality that much and Giza Klerner really turned it on its head in this crime novel and all of the female characters were just kind of thinking about how they would like to use these men. <laughs> it was quite interesting. Got a little bit old in the sense that it's immediately old when men, when male writers do that about female characters, but I saw the point she was trying to make and I appreciated it. And almost none of the men in this novel had any redeeming features. They were either overbearing authority figures, stubborn partners... Or, spoiler, the murderer. Quite interesting because there's this kind of spiritual retreat, which a lot of the characters are attending, kind of where you stay and you do meditation and you help out on the land. And when they're at this retreat, they all have different names to what their actual names are. So when it's from the perspective of the characters at the retreat, Klerner is using the names that they've been given, their kind of spiritual names. And when it's from the perspective of the detectives, they're obviously... The detectives use the characters' given names, their their legal names. So that made it really confusing on purpose. Sometimes it was hard to tie together who characters were, and it came together sometimes later on, sometimes earlier, sometimes near the end. And that was a really interesting way of doing it. You got thrown out a lot of red herrings, and the person that ended up being you didn't even really know was the same person you'd seen from scenes earlier in the novel because of the second name that he had and that was a really nice way of doing it this has been my favorite trashy german thriller because in some very real sense it wasn't that trashy Klerner had obviously put a lot of effort into it although the cover is also rubbish finally we move on to the two Dürrenmatt. i suppose they're both novellas which i've read he was quite an interesting figure he was a swiss author and dramatist. He also wrote Die Physiker, which I have on my shelf. I haven't read it yet. He was an epic theatre writer, the same as Bertolt Brecht, for example. He wrote The Judge and His Hangman, my favourite Dürrenmatt, and there's a sequel to it, which I haven't read, called Suspicion or The Inspector Berlach Mysteries. They're considered classics of crime fiction anyway, and it's obvious to see why they're extremely beautifully written so gripping as the reader you have no idea what's going on and it's got that they've got those that real columbo feel to them where right at the end berlach just completely explains exactly what's happened and why why the killer did what he did and he's known almost the whole way but he's had to he hasn't been able to prove it berlach is just this kind of completely infallible detective which when he when they're written well enough are, are really exciting to read so they're meant to fuse existential philosophy i don't really understand the existential part but that's probably because i don't really understand existentialism in general and then there's one called the pledge is the translation and it's another novella it was based on a movie script that dermat wrote and he was trying to make a realistic ending. He's trying to write really realistic detective fiction 
that didn't embody these stereotypes of detective fiction which had ruled the genre up until that day. He wrote this script, it was made for television, and it got, he was forced to write an ending which kind of appealed to the genre, which he was a critic of, and so he rewrote it as a novella. It's a thinly veiled criticism of the whole detective genre. It has um, a subtitle which is actually not on my version, Requiem for the Detective Novel. So, I repeat, extremely thinly veiled. It's kind of written in that old school style where, thinking Wuthering Heights style, where the story is recounted by a character in the story. In this case, which is quite a postmodern thing, isn't it? Durkenmatt himself, in all but name, is in the novel. The retired police chief tries to explain to Durkenmatt the problems with the detective genre and why detective literature is completely unrealistic. To do this, he tells a a purportedly true story of um, a detective called um, Matei, um, that's probably pronounced incorrectly, excuse my German, who on his final day as a detective is called in to try and solve this child murder and... Spoilers! Ends up going crazy because he knows who it is based on his instincts, but he doesn't have the evidence. Very similar to Berlach in his detective, in his cases, but Berlach always manages to find the evidence at the end and manages to bring down everyone he wanted to bring down. However, the detective in this basically doesn't manage to, goes crazy waiting for this child murderer to appear, and then later on is finally informed that he was actually the murderer based on the witness statement, a confession by the murderer's wife. The murderer ends up, is killed on his way to the meeting, which would have proved this detective correctly. I haven't done a very good job at explaining it. Anyway, the point is, Durkmatt wanted to write a detective story that was a little bit more realistic, that didn't, or at at the very least, didn't have a typical ending for a detective story insofar as the detective didn't just do the Columbo at the end where he explained everything and everyone goes down who goes down, everyone dies who should die apart from the initial victim. He wanted to make a more macabre story, I suppose. On Wikipedia it says, and I quote, the task of solving a crime is presented in a way that makes it akin to that of solving a mathematical equation. That's in standard detective fiction. And Durkenmatt wanted to write a story which went against that and showed that you can be as right as you want and you can have and you can have the criminal essentially caught red-handed. But if they die on the way to the trap that you've set in a car accident, then even if you're even though your instincts were completely correct, you're never gonna you're never gonna catch your criminal. And Tuchelmatt saw that as a more realistic ending and used that as a criticism of the genre. And this brings me full circle-ish to Wolf Bates the Hares, in which the story isn't solved at the end. He doesn't find the son of his friend who's gone missing under similar circumstances to the way in which his friend went missing 24 years before. Nothing is solved from that story. And I wonder if that story was inspired by Tuchelmatt However, the problem I found with that extremely trashy novel I read is that we didn't even know whether the detective, whether Wolf, was correct. Because Wolf thinks that Philip is alive for the whole thing. That's his contention. 
he doesn't think he's been killed, and he doesn't find evidence that suggests he has been. But we as the reader don't know that. And that, for a detective thriller, I think, that ending, while I said earlier, was kind of fun and funny, which it was, it's extremely dissatisfying. It's not really what you want from a thriller. Even if we had, even if we had been given some evidence that Philip was still alive, but it wasn't 100% certain, and it wasn't as though he was found, but he's just out there, he's just, he's sodded off because he didn't want to be with his girlfriend anymore, who, by the way, is pregnant, then I think that would have been a more satisfying, a more satisfying ending and would have spoken a little bit more to what Durkhanmat was trying to do because all of these trashy crime novelists are inspired by Durkhanmat. They have to be. He's the German writer of detective fiction and it shows in his work the two novels I've read of his were both written in the 50s, Judge and His Hangman in 1950 and The Pledge in 58. And none of these trashy novels I've read, none of which, by the way, have been written before 2000, they're all post-2000 novels, came even close. Maybe that speaks to the fact that you're born a writer. Maybe it speaks to the fact that Dürrenmatt was obviously an extremely clever man and a philosopher to boot. That being said... Durmat was fun, but it was kind of hard work. You had to think about it a little bit, despite just being detective fiction. You know, you didn't have to think about it as much as you do with Kafka, but you still had to think about it a bit. These trashy novels, they creep me out. <laughs> they make me feel thrilled. That's the reason I'm reading them, as well as to improve my German. And for that, I'm always going to love them. <laughs>